good morning. Thanks for listening again. It might not be morning. It could be any time of any time. Yeah. It might not even be Wednesday. Good afternoon. Yeah, it's probably not Wednesday for everybody. Greetings. And salutations from the whole nine yards. Yeah, that's us. We're back with idioms. Etymology. Phrase and word origins. <laughs> Look at us go. <laughs> so... Today we're doing some clothing-oriented ones. Yes. Clothing. Clothing. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and say, Ray, uh, why don't you start us off? What do you have? Uh, the first one that I researched for this week uh, was dressed to the nines. Dressed to the nines. Yeah, I, I'm hearing okay, you. Okay, I just wanted to make I sure I was I was searching clear. my brain to say, because I, I know the next thing you're going to ask me is, Jay... When I say dressed to the nines, yeah. right? I mean, I was gonna. Now it feels forced. Yeah, but it's okay. All right. It sort of let it into it. Jay, when I say dressed to the nines, what do you think? See, I th- I mean, I, you're dressed up. You're just like really uh, gussied up. Yeah. It's gussied. Perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> perfect. You have donned the full Monty. You've got the gussy. Uh, you know what is interesting, my friend, and I will thank you <laughs> for bringing that up because I'm going to bring it up. Yeah. Uh, so, dress to the nines is an English idiom meaning to perfection slash to the highest degree. So the nines, like you said, nines. Yeah. Dressed to the nines. Because whole it's always your scale of one to ten. So why nine is like you, you, you miss something. You got a stain on your cuff. What's what, up? What is with the nines yeah. and the clothes, right? Yeah. We can't we can't get away. No. Does it relate to whole nine yards? No. No. It doesn't. It scared me for <laughs> I know. I was I wanted to leave it longer, but <laughs> um there's clothing purported clothing origins here so that it wasn't so far off. But I, I like a later one that I'm going to dive into. But let's go. We'll start here. The purported clothing origin uh, suggests that this phrase is from an old English saying, favorite, uh, dressed to the eyes is what it is. But what? Uh, because it's old English, it was written dressed to then Ein is how it's spelled, then space E-Y-N-E, two words. Um, so then Ein could have morphed into the nine, sure. What does dress to the eyes even mean? Yeah, wow. Why didn't I write that down? I think it means like dressed fancily still. Like it does mean the fancy dress. That does ring a bell in my mind. I mean, dressed for the eyes. Dressed gonna, to, yeah. I know, I'm going to give you dressed for the sure. eyes. I can make that jump. Dressed to the eyes. Dressed anyway, to sorry. I, I no, you're I, fine. Yeah. Please. This is, no, we're yeah. happy. I'm happy to have the... <laughs> um, yeah, so then Ein could have morphed itself or could have been morphed into the nine as it's <laughs> difficult to distinguish the phrases saying them right now. Uh, as as one might happen, you know, as as we go, we've got the telephone games, we've got history, we've got all kinds of spoken languages. Sure. Um, another possible origin is this phrase could be a specific application of a Scottish phrase to the nine, um, which I found earliest written evidence to appear in the 1800s, so much later than 
the old English, thine, then ein. Um, Scottish to the nine applicational use was? Was to mean perfection. Um, In this poetry of Robert Burns, a poem on pastoral poetry, (laughs) um, thou paints Ald not well, man. Ald, it's Ald, right? Ald Lang Syne, Ald. I'll I'll accept either. All right. Uh, thou paints Ald nature to the nines in thy sweet Caldonian lines. Uh, and Robert Burns is using this to mean perfection. You've painted this nature perf- perfectly, perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm liking this idea. But for me, it has to. So it has to start at zero, though it can't start at one. Because why no ten? The the ten, you know, is bothering me. That the nine is the top, right? There's no Bo Derek here. No, we. This is why. This is the where I got my fun time, trivial knowledge that I seek in everyday life. Um, is was in why? Why is nine the best? Why do we always come back to nine? Right. You know, cloud nine, we have a reason for that. That's not the best. It's just a type of cloud. But what about the nines and why do we come back to this? And this is my, I mean, I found this in research, but this one feels like I like this one the best personally. (laughs) Um, Throughout like the history of our species, we've used this number nine uh, to be significant across like our culture essentially um there's the nine worthies of the middle ages uh who represented the i guess the clearest in their minds uh, acts of chivalry or the, sh- the most chivalrous chivalrous wow people of the time uh, of the ages not specifically of old english but over time um we have sanskrit navag navagraha i'm not sure if that's I'm saying that right. Um, but that is uh, nine celestial bodies of the universe, which aren't the planets because we didn't discover planets back at that point, but just more ideas. Uh, some of the planets, yes, but other things like lunar cycles and things like that. Um, we have the Mayan underworld uh, has nine levels. Hmm. There are nine lords of the night from ancient Aztec cultures. Uh, the nine muses of ancient Greek mythology, you know, representing art, science, and literature, things like that. So I think it's inherent in our, like, mythology or our lore, I guess, as a species that we, this number nine means um, the best or, you know what I mean? It's very significant to to how we kind of make sense of the the world around us i guess at the time i wonder like uh, i was waiting for you to get to some synesthesian sort of blue tones or something yeah. with it i don't know nine how it correlates it is, like yeah. that but nine some but but there's a lot there there's an english Amer- english anglican cleric in the 1600s john rowlett um little passage he wrote the learned tribe whose works the world do bless finish those works in some recess both the philosopher and divine and poets most who still make their address in private to the nine and the nine is capitalized the word nine um in this he's 
again purportedly saying like people are making these addresses to to these muses to these these characters to these ideals of chivalry you know what i mean yeah yeah so i don't know that one feels really satisfying to me because it has so much lore tied to it um but the nine could have been misheard from the nine from middle english um, mm, I, I don't like that one that could, misheard thing i same it's i mean you know it's certainly i mean probably, it probably the most plausible one yeah we've know, had those know. plenty and then the Scottish uh, to the nines also meant perfection, um, but that's using the phrase in the phrase. So like we don't, you can't define it with the self. Can't do it. So I, I don't know the like the the larger philosophical answer is the one that I like to think is the right one. <laughs> so I think we've got this thing with nines in our our lore, and we love it, and uh, and that's why nine uh, can represent perfection. Through the muses, through the through the lords of order, what do they call it? <laughs> the, the, the worthies. I'm but, a fan. Yeah, uh, that's dressed to the nines. And if a six was nine, you got John Lennon's all hung up with the nine. It means something to us. Something. So what's uh what's your clothing? One to to butt up that one, button up that one. Oh, button up! Damn it, that would have been a great pun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe next time. Yeah, next time. So I have. Yes, put a sock in it. Okay, all right. So this one, you know, it's one of those ones that, uh, let me just get into it. All right. I'll tell you. Okay, tell Um, me. Well, see, I don't know why. I guess are people over time, and still to this day sometimes, (laughs) sometimes I'm taken by how um proper or polite people are or how offend how easily offended by simple slangs and things people are um so i'm i'm, I'm always gratified by it cuz it means okay there's still a bar somewhere but <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. but i'm never expecting it so yeah, it'll sneak up on you i hear you yeah so th- this this one is, is kind of falls into that category in that um Put a sock in it. I mean, for crying out loud. Okay, so let me... They will... If you dig into this, most of the references and books will say, well, you know, there was a gramophone and it was loud and really didn't have a volume on it. You just put the needle on the record Mm -hmm. and it blasted out of that horn. And if the record, you know, was, was shrill... Mm-hmm. You'd stuff a sock in the gramophone. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But I digress. Um, the earliest example I can find in print for this uh, was from 1919, and it was in a number of different periodicals because, you know, it's a syndicated columns, and then so somebody will find one in one newspaper and another, but it's all the same month or year all the mm-hmm. time. So. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, you know, they defined it uh, in 1919, the expression, put a sock in it, meaning leaving off talking, singing, or shouting. Leave off. Leave. Uh, I know. Yeah. Leave off. Leave off. But um, most other things, like I say, keep go back to the gramophone, but 
There's a novel, uh, and it's set in 1916, okay? Okay. And this is uh, World War One stuff. So uh, one one uh, corporal is is uh, yelling with a soldier. Uh, I'll just go read the dialogue. Okay. I'm not miserable, corporal, said little Martlow. We're not dead yet, only I'm not fighting for any bleeping Belgians, see? One of them buggers wanted to charge me five frong for a loaf of bread. Well, says the corporal, put a sock in it. We've had enough bloody talk now. So, I mean, put a sock in it. Yeah. Um, traces mostly to military stuff and how it comes up in both American and Australian sort of vernacular not long after World War One is from World War One. So it somehow came out of World War One soldiers uh, snoring uh, in barracks or slang like this, meaning shut up, basically. Yeah. They concocted it and then after the war brought it brought it home with them and then we began to see it and maybe it it did then with the gramophone someone used it but it really feels like it started out as a as a crude please be quiet uh or not so much please just be quiet <laughs> right <laughs> there's not really a please in there no yeah see that was me with a polite yeah, bar so polite so uh, put a sock in it is pretty simple. Huh. Maybe I mean I guess it's it's just because it's hard for me to like I started out to grasp that level of politeness somehow. Maybe <laughs> it it did start with the gramophone because the gramophone is is still a relatively old crank up uh, device pre elect you know mm -hmm. references to it in print are military yeah. and literature, you know, military literature, yeah. and suggest it was, uh, please be quiet. And that's put a sock in it. I, the gramophone one rang out to me, because um, I would, as a kid, I'd put like a dish towel in my sax bell when I practiced. Ah. Yeah. Because it was, you know, yeah. I was really bad, as you are when you start anything, and then you're loud, so I'm sure my... I was trying to be polite to the people in my house with my bar of politeness. Man, that, that politeness keeps coming back to... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that one, yeah, I've, I, I have experience with putting a sock in a brass bell or a dish towel, I guess. I also used to set them on fire, but that's different. That is another story altogether, and maybe we'll hear about that story from Rebecca. <laughs> I hope she doesn't know it. But let's find out. Let's find out together. Support Whole Nine Yards and make your life easier with Instacart. Online grocery shopping made simple. Instacart connects you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores in a single order. Products you love from local stores, hand-selected based on your preferences. Many items may be delivered in as little as an hour. Instacart helps to save you money on your favorite items and recommends new products that you might also love. Instacart, the most convenient way to shop. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by the Roberto Clemente Museum. Located in a restored engine house in Pittsburgh's revitalized Lawrenceville neighborhood, the Clemente Museum is a showcase of the largest exhibited collection of baseball artifacts, works of art, literature, photographs, and memorabilia related to Roberto Clemente and his life in baseball. Shop the store for clothing and other items featuring the iconic 21 logo and purchase tour tickets for the museum at clemenemuseum.com. Enter promo code 
W9Y21 for a 10% discount on hats and tees. That's clementemuseum.com, promo code W9Y21. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by Big Science Music. Big Science Music is a can and one-show award-winning original music and sound boutique, providing scoring, sound design, radio, podcast, and audio post-production services for the advertising, film, and video industries. Big Science Music also offers ADR, casting, and project management. Big Science Music's reels, full capabilities, and more can be found at bigsciencemusic.com. That's bigsciencemusic.com. So we did that. Yeah. Did you hear about the fires I used to start? Probably not. Yeah. Oh, I skipped over it. Oh, nice. Good. Yeah. Smart. No, you shouldn't because they're uh, they're great sponsors. No, no. I just I've just heard them a lot. Yeah. No, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you have to start us off on the second half? Drop of a hat. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um do you know a show called The Simpsons? Uh-huh. Uh, yes, I have heard of this show. Uh, do you know the episode where uh, Marge gets a Canyon Arrow? Yes, it has that famous commercial it has, song. It has it. the whole song, the Canyon Arrow song. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> that one. It's eight lanes wide and seats 35. Right. And then they sing. No, yeah, they do. Um, in the At the end, Marge saves the day. Uh after her bout with road rage and, and all the funness, by flipping her canyon arrow and starting a fire and saving her husband um, through this through this act, she says, "I was watching Dateline, and Stone Phillips said SUVs always roll over when you turn sharply, and the gas tanks explode at the drop of a hat." <laughs> so, what do you think Marge is using the idiom in this sense to mean? Drop of a hat. Oh, I, I would think she meant no matter you, the smallest thing, the quickest thing. Yes, at a moment's notice. Yeah, at once, in a heartbeat, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. I thought so. Yeah. I mean, who's dropping hats? Well, that's the thing. It's like lots of folk, but then it's like, but it happened different times, and then why are they saying it's this? But it could be from then. You know, it's one of those fun ones. Uh, so a long time ago. Uh, some folks would settle up their differences uh, on the, the dueling court, dueling rink. Sure. What a dueling field. What do you, what do you call them? Just a, I don't know. This is, this, is the, um, is this the walk 10 paces, turn around and shoot? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, it was just out in the street as far as I knew. It wasn't like a fencing match or anything. So on the dueling street, um, some say to signal the to all parties that the you know fight slash duel i'm gonna expand this beyond dueling to fighting or racing even um someone would drop slash swing a hat or handkerchief um so that would signify the start of the race or the duel or the fight someone else dropping a hat or swinging a hat or something like that all right and like speculatory evidence says this is American Old West, but we're not, we're dueling before the Old West, you know? Oh, yeah. So like the idiomatic usage crops up like in the 1800s already as 
an idiom, not even like a, you know, phrase that there's just, they know what it is by then. I have a register of debates in Congress from October 1837. Um, quote, they could agree in the twinkling of an eye at the drop of a hat at the crook of a finger to usurp the sovereign power. They cannot agree in four months to relinquish it. So 1837, they're using the idiom drop of a hat already. (laughs) I know, no, I know. I did see this kind of thing. It seems to pop up a lot in politics of these early times. And they, I saw evidence or saw some conjecture that it really did relate to our Congress um, (laughs) not being able to argue their differences of opinion. (laughs) They went out into the street and had duels and people dropped the hats. I mean, I, it kind of, there's a lot of political usage in here, so I'm not sure if, if that's the first one, but it's like, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Huh. Um, 1852, um, the Milwaukee Daily Sentinel. I found many old soldiers who called themselves Democrats and were ready to fight at the drop of a hat with any man who ought to say against General Scott. Just who ought to say against? Ought to say he ought to say against. Yeah, yeah. Who had, oh, who, who had? Wait, no, that's a who. Oh, who had ought to say? Sorry, uh, thank you. Yes, yeah, that helps. Yeah, because sometimes so some of those, you know, the way they use language. Yeah, it's like you watching Shakespeare. You got to kind of like hold on. Like I, I, I can't miss anything because it. it's yeah. yeah. You got to hear every single thing. <laughs> yeah, thank you for correcting. No, no, no. just you. Yeah. Um, that quote. Is from worldwide words, worldwide worlds. It's hard, yeah. Wow, R's and that W's. Is, wow. Um, so it just—it seems like this idiom relates to the literal dropping of a hat or swinging of a hat to start a contest or race or fight. Um, just some trivia. I like trivia sometimes. It's—it's it's a part of it. Yeah. You know, like olden times as well. When well, I mean, we still do with traveling carnivals, fairgrounds, um, but they had strongman competitions in these old timey carnivals and and things. Sure, uh, often boxing matches and things like that. Oh, and apparently the public were invited to come up and fight the professionals. Hmm. Quotes. I'm quoting the professionals. Uh, and apparently, every single man who lived at these times in history wore a hat so to, for them to say like hey i i want to fight the professional next they would literally throw their hat into the ring and then they would e- easily be identified as the person hatless, missing the, the hat. hatless person right yeah <laughs> as they made their way to the ring um so yeah that's just the side one and we we can uh, strike off the throw your hat into the ring probably uh, shucks uh yeah, so drop of a hat, kind of a literal again, someone swinging, dropping a hat to start a contest, fight duel, uh, flip over an SUV to save your husband from rhinoceri. It's That's... not rhinoceri; it's rhinoc- rhinoceroses. Everybody, E S S is always the appropriate pluralization of every word. Who knew? People. People <laughs> who knew people. So oh shoot, can't yeah. Say that. So, the uh, drop of the hat. Yeah. Drop of a hat. Well, I have one that is um, also going to slightly jump off of yours, but I won't tell you mm. exactly how, but I'll tell you how pretty quickly. <laughs> I'll buckle in. 
So uh, I have a simple one here to to bring uh, this episode home. Okay. Uh, this is a ride. It's a ride one's coattails. Mm. I know, right? Okay. Uh, so, so Ray. Yes. So if I say, yeah, that guy got promoted, but he kind of rode Jim's coattails. Mm-hmm. What am I saying there? The Jim was a very important part of the promotion for the friend that I forgot his name already. Well, yeah, I, it, I didn't have one. Oh, so friend. Yeah. So Jim's Jim friend got in someplace because of Jim. Because of Jim. Because of Jim. Yeah. So there's not a devil of a lot of mystery to this one, but way that it is correlated to politics is one that I did not... I wasn't aware of. I didn't think of it like that. I just think of uh, you rode someone's coattails that, yeah, that meant you really didn't, weren't worthy of whatever Mm -hmm. position you were holding or whatever, but someone else you were connected to, affiliated with, friends with, was. Yeah. Gotcha. And so images of, say, uh, someone with, with long coattails walking and then with like three or four other people just sort of skiing on the back of that coattail as it mm-hmm. drags on the floor there like a uh, wedding train. Yes. That sort of imagery is what we see, and, and it dates back to uh, Abraham Lincoln. Hmm. So there's a speech Abraham Lincoln gave in 1848 discussing uh, Zachary Taylor, who was a general, mm-hmm. uh, and discussing him in terms of having coattails. And so... Uh, in the, in the speech there, um, he showed there was hypocrisy in, in their critiques of Whigs hiding under presidential nominee Taylor's military coattail. So this was our first documented print of it mm-hmm. uh, is is from that eighteen forty eight. Yeah, so that was embraced by. Uh, political parties and parties battling each other and candidates, et cetera, mm-hmm. would use that as in a derogatory terms. Yeah, like, okay. Yeah. And, and then it just sort of uh, naturally morphed into regular use. Everyday peoples. Yeah, you're, yeah, in the company or in school or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So there's not a lot of um, the etymology, uh, phraseology, any virologies, really? I mean, there's nothing. Noologies. It's just uh, you, this is what it this is what it was. So, hi, you know, hiding under coattails had been documented before that to say, you know, you you, you got in there sort of like a, a Trojan horse, they snuck sort you of, in. yeah, yeah. But um, the the riding the coattails, mid nineteenth century, and and boom, that's that's all that one is. Huh. I know, yeah. but sometimes they're simple like that. Well, that's a great way to button this episode up. See, ah. I shoehorned it in. I'm gonna, I'll shoehorn stuff in. That's yeah, a good one too. Shoehorn. Yeah, we we'll ah. keep that Look one keeps this. coming up. That's a free one. Yeah, please make a note of that too. Yeah, shoehorn free. All right, thanks for joining us. Yes, thanks and, for listening um, and subscribing and rating and all everything. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and um, send us thoughts, comments, suggestions, and relative criticisms. And in order to do that. You could send those to Hey You mm-hmm. at 
whole the number nine yards.org that's hey you at whole nine yards.org and, and you know let us know what we uh, can do yeah you know yeah yeah and I'm Jay I'm Ray and we're, we're not, not idioms whole nine yards is written recorded and produced by big science pods learn more at whole nine yards.org or contact whole nine yards by emailing hey you at whole nine yards.org that's hey you at whole9yards.org. Whole9yards theme music composed by Big Science Music.